Hello and welcome. We are Restoration Church in beautiful Prescott, Arizona. My name is Nate Huss. I'm one of the team members here. And thank you for joining us. If you are new, glad you found us. If you'd like to learn more, we are at restorationaz.org. This week, Ron Merrill delivers the message as we dive into week three of our hospitality series, Hospitality to Our Life Neighbor. Well, folks, we're just uh, thankful for this time to continue to worship as we dive into the Word. And this uh, last couple of weeks, we've been having a conversation from the Scriptures about what hospitality really means and looks like. A handful of times a year, Restoration Church stops to uh, do what we call practices, and we particular, uh, pick a particular aspect of the Christian life and then practice it, because we are supposed to live our faith out loud. And so earlier this year, we did a handful of weeks on forgiveness, and then we held it up in practice groups and, and really learned and talked and uh, fellowship together around how to forgive and be forgiven and whatnot. Now we're talking about hospitality. And in the first couple of weeks, we've covered God's heart for hospitality to strangers. Uh, then we talked about God's heart for us to be hospitable to neighbors. I mean, actual, literal, I mean, who lives next door or across the street or in your neighborhood sorts of neighbors. Because God's heart is that we would be a light, that maybe he's physically positioned you where he has. Uh, not for coincidence, but because he knows who's next door or who's uh, the block over and wants you to be a light and an influence there in your neighborhood. Today we're going to talk about neighbors again, that there's a call in scripture for us to be hospitable, not just to uh, a geographic neighbor, but what we're calling a life neighbor or a community neighbor. I want you to think about people in your world, your world, that uh, uh, come across your path on a semi-regular basis. They probably don't live right next door to you. They're not a geographic neighbor, but you interact with them a lot. They're people at work. They're people in a club that you belong to. Uh, they're people that uh, are on uh, a kid's sports team. It might be parents of uh, another kid that your friends, your kids are friends with. Whatever these people that God has seemed to be bringing across your path, what, what are they there for? And, and another good question, what are you there for in their life? What is hospitality toward these life neighbors or community neighbors? What's that really look like? You know, it, it was a couple people for me. When I was 15, we moved from Long Beach, California to Lake Arrowhead, California, and I had to start completely over with friends. And I hadn't really put my personal faith and trust in Jesus yet. And so my family said, we're going to start going to church somewhere, but we're not sure where yet. And about a couple of weeks into school, there was a guy that sat behind me in my Spanish class. His name was Rod. And after two weeks of being my life neighbor in Spanish, he tapped me on the shoulder in a little break in Spanish class and he said, hey, do you go to church anywhere? And I said, no, I, I don't. We're, we're kind of thinking about it. He said, you should come with me. And, and that invitation, you should come with me and just belong with me, go to my youth group, led me into a relationship with Jesus 
which led my whole life on a whole different vocational track, a calling that the Lord already had me in his crosshairs. And I'm so thankful for a life neighbor in a classroom who loved me enough just to invite me to go. I showed up at youth group for the very first time on Rod's invitation. And I'm sitting in a room of maybe 30 or 40 other kids and the door bursts open as Sunday school starts and the youth pastor walks in. And Eddie walked in and Eddie was the most happy, joyful, energetic, loving human being I've ever seen in my life. He put all his stuff down, he turned around and then he seemed to single me out. Okay, I know all 39 people, oh, the four, oh, we have a new person. And he made a beeline for me. And at first I was scared to see this adult man, you know, coming for me. And then he, when he came, he said, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so thankful you're here. He, he said, let's go to lunch this week. I said, well, I have school, you know, I'm just a sophomore in high school. He said, get your parents to write a note to let you out and I'll bust you out of school. (laughs) And, And I said, you would do that? He said, I would love to do it. And then he did. My parents wrote a note. He busted me out of school. He took me to lunch. And that, again, God used to open my heart to who Jesus is. See, at the core of hospitality is a heart that says, I'm willing with a hospitality here to open my heart and maybe even my home so that you would find a home in God. I think that's kind of a simple working definition of hospitality, that we would open our hearts and maybe even our homes to people that God has positioned around us so that they could find a home in God. I I trusted in Jesus, and that has now found me a home in God. I abide in him. I'm rooted in him, in my relationship with God. And that's his heart for all of us. And then he can use us with the people around us so that they can trust in Jesus and therefore find a home in God. I mean, that's really the core of what it is to be hospitable. It's so much more than just being nice and opening your home for a meal. It might build a bridge for people to have a better understanding of the character and nature of Jesus so that they could find a personal relationship with him. In 1 Peter is where we're going to be. If you have your Bible, open up to the book of 1 Peter. If you're not real familiar, it'll be up on the screen. But if you have your Bible, you can go to the end of your Bible. Work back to the left and you'll hit this letter that Peter wrote. And he wrote this to believers who were under extreme persecution. Persecuted at a level that you and I just really can't relate to, quite honestly. But what God did through that persecution was it forced believers to scatter to a whole bunch of different places and around a whole bunch of different people. And he's writing to keep them encouraged. Because when we get scattered, 
it gets hard to keep our spiritual fires lit and warm, right? Which again is why hospitality is such a big deal uh, for other people who are spiritually scattered. It's hard for us that know the Lord and have a home in God and aren't able to be around other believers at the level that he wants. Next week, we'll talk about what hospitality should look like amongst each other, brothers and sisters in Christ. But it's, it's huge because as he writes these words in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses uh, 7 through 11, This is such an economical summary of the Christian life. Landon talked last week about love the Lord your God with everything you got and love your neighbor as yourself. I mean, that's quite the summary. Love God, love people. You want to boil this whole thing down? That's right from the mouth that Jesus boiled down. But this, maybe second only to that passage, I think Peter gives us quite the summary of the Christian life and and his economy with words is so, so good here. And at the center of the Christian life, guess what's there? Hospitality. It's so good. First Peter chapter four, verse seven. It says, now the end of all things is near. Remember that. Therefore, be serious and disciplined for prayer. Remember that. Above all, maintain an intense love for each other. Remember that. Since love covers a multitude of sins. And love covers a multitude of sins because love forgives. And it forgives over and over and over and over and over again. And therefore, Love covers a multitude. You've seen it, how forgiveness repaired some sin between you and somebody else. You know how the love expressed in the forgiveness of God towards you healed you of sin. Here it is, verse 9. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. Remember that. Verse 10, based on the gift each one has received, use it to serve others as good managers of the varied grace of God. If anyone speaks, it should be as one who speaks God's words. If anyone serves, it should be from the strength God provides so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. To him belong the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. And so right from this passage, really extra practical today, uh, right from this passage, Peter gives us a pretty cool roadmap of what it looks like uh, to express hospitality to a life neighbor, a community neighbor, somebody that's consistently in your world. Uh, Here's what it looks like. The first thing I think is that we should live with a sense of expectancy, Peter said that the end of all things is near. Uh, The the second coming of Christ, the consummation of all the stuff that we know the Lord has promised, that's coming. And and it's, it's near, but we don't know exactly when he's coming back for his people. We don't know when our time is up on earth. And so there's this call toward 
expectancy with the time that we've got. You know, if, if you lived, just, just forget about like this week, today. If you lived the rest of your day today with an expectancy that, hey, the Lord might come back for me tonight, how would that change this afternoon? We don't know when he's coming back for his people. I don't know when my time is up, when he might just call me home, maybe before he comes back. But if I live like, I really believe that the end is near. There's an urgency, there's an expectancy, there's something that is different in motivating the way that I interact with the people around me. Because I don't get lazy with it. Rather, I go, oh gosh, I might have decades or I might have minutes. Maybe I should speak up. Maybe I should love different. Maybe I should have the conversation. Maybe I should uh, extend the invitation. It, it changes things. How does hospitality to a life neighbor look? Uh, second, I'd say you keep your mind healthy and safe. Be, be serious and disciplined, Peter said. Another translation says be sober-minded and alert. And so our hospitality to a life neighbor really needs to start with uh, keeping our mind sober and alert, keeping our minds safe and healthy, but so that you can continue to pray. The, the word that Peter uses for prayer here is prayer, but it's in the plural, inferring that our prayer life should be ongoing. As Paul talked about, pray without ceasing. And why this is so important to our hospitality, to the people that God's bringing around us, is if I'm constantly distracted, if I'm intaking a whole bunch of junk, I'm probably not thinking about you as much as I'm thinking about me. I'm easily distracted. And then what's worse is, if a hundred people come across my path this week, does God really expect me to reach, minister to every single 100 of those? Probably not. It's not even humanly possible. But there might have been one or two or five or six that he brought across your path for a specific reason. And if I had been praying, if I'm praying when I wake up, Lord, you've given me X amount of hours today, Lord willing. When I run into Walmart right now just to pick up toothpaste, give me your radar. I want my antenna up, Holy Spirit, to your leading because I might pass somebody on the way in or on the way out or in the toothpaste aisle. And for my need for toothpaste, I don't want to miss the need that a brother or sister or someone that you're bringing across my path might have. See, it changes if we're just praying constantly, okay, I'm going to go eat at this place today that I always eat at. And rather than just going in to consume some food and then leaving, maybe that server that you've had three or four times now is not a coincidence. Maybe you go in there intentionally, but then you pray intentionally. Lord, how, 
How could we bless or get to know or love this server that we see on a regular basis? What's hospitality to a life neighbor look like? I think it looks ultimately like sacrificial love. It means we're going to love sacrificially, not marginally, not minimally. We're going to love sacrificially. He, he said, have an intense love for one another. There, there's, there's some exertion on our part. There's some effort on our part that, that, that should be there. It may be an inconvenience. There might be some sort of sacrifice. And this goes right back to the heart of Jesus himself. Did Jesus sacrifice anything to love me and you? And I can't spend five extra minutes with you? Well, I don't like them. Well, I don't agree with them. Oh, they're not living the way I do. I wasn't either when Jesus pursued me with his love. When Jesus offered hospitality to me, and yet he did it anyway, he did it sacrificially. You know, it's so hard to hate people up close. I can be super judgmental, mean, standoffish when we don't ever talk. Because it's easy for then, you just become those sorts of people, those categories. But, but hospitality in a sacrificial, intense love manner says, I'll sit down with anybody and I'll have a conversation. And then, yeah, we've been on that soccer team. Our kids are playing together. And this is the third season in a row that I've had to sit next to you and listen to you rattle off during the game. And I see the way that you talk to your wife or you talk to your kids. And I don't particularly care for that, but here you are. I can love you sacrificially. And then you sit down and you go, okay, now I know why there's kind of that edge to you. Or now I know a little bit more of your story. And now the longer you look at somebody, you can see their real humanity. And they're not just a category anymore, but they're a person that God made, who God also loves. And then here at the heart of it, what's hospitality to a life neighbor look like? I think we practice the kind of hospitality that doesn't resent having to be hospitable. Be hospitable to one another, Peter said, but do it without complaining. So be hospitable in a manner that just says, okay, I, I'll be hospitable. I'll open my heart. I may open my home to you. And I'm not going to do it begrudgingly. Oh, yeah, I'll be hospitable. For how long do I have to be hospitable? 45 minutes? Okay. You know, we've all been in restaurants before where, speaking of restaurants, where the server whose job to some extent is hospitality, and you could just tell they've had enough. They've had enough of you and people like you all day long. They're sick of it. And they have nothing left in the tank to be hospitable. And they're doing it begrudgingly. They walk up, throw the mini up. What do you want? What can I get you? We've seen that. We've experienced that. We can do that as Christians too. Oh, I'm opening my heart to you. What do you want? What do you need? Yeah, I'll get together with you next week if I have to. But it's just going to be short. Can I just call you instead? We, 
that's not the type of hospitality that God's talking about. What's it look like? A couple more things. One, we use our gifts to give the grace of God to those who are crossing our path. Peter said, you've got these gifts and it's so that you can administer the grace of God to people. God wants to extend grace to people in really tangible forms. And he uses a hospitable person to do that. And what I believe so many of our life neighbors, the people that are across our path, we're in relationship need more than anything is God's grace. Because it's the kindness of the Lord that leads people to repentance. And when they see that and experience that grace in us, then there's something beautiful where I think they're more inclined to find a home in God if they've experienced some grace in us. And so we use our gifts. You've all got different gifts. And that's what's so beautiful about it because your hospitality to somebody else is gonna look different than my hospitality. You've got gifts that I don't have. But that's okay because there's things that those some people need that I can't give to them, but you can. And that's why we're better together. We, we use our gifts to serve them. You can't really separate service and hospitality. They're, they're one and the same. And then we do it, lastly, we live out God's strength for his glory. That's what our hospitality looks like. We're doing it in his strength. We go, ah, oh, gosh, I don't know if I have enough strength or energy to be hospitable. Okay, that might be because you're relying on your own strength, your own talent to get through it. I've been there. Hey, there's about 10% of us, maybe in here, that are never hospitable just because you're too lazy or too comfortable. There's another 10% of us on the other side who are hospitable all the time to everybody. We're so overextended, we're a thousand miles wide and an inch deep. And we don't have any energy anymore to be hospitable. We don't have any time. We got nothing left to give because we're only doing it out of some sense of, I got to be there for everybody all the time. I have to be Jesus. We've taken his spot. There was a guy that went on a hike and Jesus stopped him right before going up a mountain and said, hey, um, I've got something for you today. The guy said, really? What is it? He said, here's, here's all I'm asking for you today. And Jesus walked over a wheelbarrow and there was one brick in it. He said, here's what I'm gonna ask you to do today. I need you to get this one brick in this wheelbarrow to the top of this mountain today. That's it. The guy said, well, that's cool. I was going for a walk anyway. I could totally do that. And so he starts walking up the mountain with his wheelbarrow, with his one brick. He gets around the first turn, and in the turnout there, there's a lady that's stopped there. She has a wheelbarrow too, but she's got four bricks in her wheelbarrow. She's crying. And the guy says, well, what's going on? She says, well, I started out. I got these four bricks, and I can't make it any further. I'm wiped out. I'm exhausted. And, and, and he says, well, let me help. Put, put, your, put your bricks in my wheelbarrow. Oh, okay. So four of her bricks goes in his. Now he's got five bricks and he continues his journey. It's a little harder, but he can pull it off. 
He gets a couple more turns up. There's another person sitting there and they've got 10 bricks. They can't make it any further. Oh my goodness. You're here. Finally, some help. Could you please take my bricks to the top of the mountain today? There's only 10 of them. Oh yeah, I guess so. And load in the 10 bricks. He gets a couple more turns up. There's three people stopped in this turnout. Yeah, I'll take your bricks too. Now he's got 40, 50 bricks pushing this wheelbarrow, trudging up the hill. And finally, he's had enough. He gets around another turnout of his own and stops. And now he's breaking down in tears. He calls out for Jesus. Jesus shows up. He says, Jesus, I can't do this. I don't have the strength to pull this off. I can't go any farther. It's too much of a load. Please, how, I can't go any further. And Jesus says, I didn't ask you to carry but one brick today. That, that's all I asked you to do today. And man, that hits me, especially with regard to hospitality. Because if you got even half a heart, you're going, I, I want to be there for people. But the danger is when we don't have a radar tuned to the Holy Spirit and we try to play Jesus, we feel like we need to be there for everybody all the time. For you, people, that was not God's intent for you. He's got something for you. He wants to use you. But he wants you to do it out of the strength that he provides. And so what's it look like to develop a radar? From the Holy Spirit. For the people that he's placed in your life. And not just feel like you are the savior of the world. He'll bring people to mind Here's a little bit from Peter of what hospitality to a life neighbor looks like. Two quick things as we wrap up. Let's answer the question, who's God placing in your life? Who are the life neighbors, the community neighbors that God's placed around you? Just think about it for a minute. Now, where, where you work, where you go, where you frequent. People that you don't know why they keep coming up, but they're there. A friend of mine uses this, these categories. Uh, a friend of mine uses these categories as a way, just kind of a radar. Okay, Lord, here's different categories, different types of people that you might want me to uh, have an influence or be a light for. Uh, the first category is what he calls pre-Christian non-believers. And I think at best there's, there's uh, always room for uh, one of these types, multiple of these types in your journey. But, but who are people in your life that don't know Jesus, that you're intentional? It is that server that you keep seeing or frequenting at the place because you want to just be a light. It, it is a parent. It is a work coworker. It might be somebody in a class that you have. But, but who is it that maybe doesn't know Jesus yet that God's positioned you there for that are pre-Christian? Another category he talks about are people who are prodigals. These are believers who are not currently actively pursuing their faith. They're, they've wandered away. They're in the rough patch. And some of you have that story. Some of you remember the prodigal season. And now, coincidentally, 
God's brought a prodigal to your doorstep. Maybe it's not coincidence. Another category would be purposefuls. He refers to them as purposefuls. They're just people who are believers, who are actively pursuing their faith. You know, we're not just needing to be there for people who are really in a struggle or just a train wreck, but there are a lot of people that are hungry for the word. They're hungry for being discipled. And he wants to use you to take them to where God wants them to be. My youth pastor was that. I had a college professor that was like that and made a tremendous impact. And then another group that's kind of the catch-all, they're called potentials. And these are people that just seem to be showing up on life's doorstep for some reason or another. Your plumbing keeps breaking and that same plumber keeps coming over, over and over. Maybe the plumbing is not breaking by coincidence. Maybe it doesn't have to do so much with your plumbing, but the plumber who's going to come and fix it, and they get to experience a taste of Jesus through you. Who knows? He does all sorts of things for all sorts of reasons, but the goal is develop a radar. Pray for God's guidance and direction. It begs this last question. The question is, how can I draw people? into this sense that they've got a home in God? How can I open my heart? How can I open my home in a way that would be a blessing to people that he's uh, put around me, not coincidentally? Well, you want to bless them. And if you're in a practice group, then you'll be able to have a conversation this week about this acronym, BLESS. You take the word BLESS, And each of the letters stand for something to help you, just some real simple tools about how you might bless somebody that's a life neighbor or a community neighbor. Uh, Take the word bless. The, The first letter, B, begin with prayer. Begin with prayer. Peter said it. We need to be serious and disciplined for prayer. Have the radar and antenna up. Lord, who do you want me to impact? Who is it that you're bringing across my path? I've got 150 people to choose from. Which ones am I supposed to be ministering to? Do you know that Jesus did not physically heal every single human being that he crossed the path of while he was here on earth? He had to be discerning. He was with people sometimes in intense ways and then got alone in intentional ways. We're never gonna beat Jesus's example of ministering primarily to 12 and really to three. We're not gonna get a whole lot better than that. And so you start discerning, you start praying, God, who is it? Because I don't think I can minister to more than you could. So help me, help me figure out who it is And I want to be a blessing to them. So have the radar or the antenna up. I had a professor in college that he he kept three by five cards in his pocket with a pen. And every single time that something uh, piqued his interest, that he felt like the Holy Spirit was allowing him to see, he pulled out the three by five card and jotted it down. 
It was five, six, seven years of being in relationship with this man before I ever asked him about it. We'd be at a restaurant and he'd look and he'd go, hmm. We'd be walking in the mall. Oh, would you look at that? Oh, you just said, that's interesting. Hmm. Five, seven years of me looking and I finally go, what is this? What are you doing? And he just said, I'm trying to be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. When he prompts me, rather than dismiss it or take it for granted, I don't want to miss it. I don't want to lose it. It was a thing of beauty. It was something that I think hurt God's heart. It was a person that maybe God had a heart for that I needed to lift up in prayer. I don't want to forget it. And he said, I don't know how it all works, but I got to think if my antenna is up in that capacity, that maybe God would speak to me more. And I don't know how it all works either, but I do know that when we're praying, God, point out who I need to be with. Point out how I can bless them. Fasten your (laughs) seatbelts. He's going to show you. Begin with prayer. L in bless is listen. Listen. And this is nice. This is nice for a lot of you because you don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to be that great at conversation. Can you sit there and be a listening ear? In fact, for those of you that are talkers, take this to heart. Most people don't want to be blessed by how much you know. They want to be blessed by a listening ear. And we can all do that if we just shut up and just say, just talk to me. I just want to hear where you're at. I may not have all the answers, but I'll listen. Man, that's a good one. The E is eat. You know, it's God's will for you in Christ Jesus to eat and eat together and fellowship. There's something when you share a meal together, the walls drop down and you eat. You can be hospitable while you eat. And here's a word. Some of you, some of you don't have the finances or an actual home where you feel like you can be hospitable, invite people over. I get that. Had plenty of seasons where that was us. But that doesn't mean you can't be hospitable. You you can go to a park and hang out. You can bring your own food. You can be hospitable by opening your heart without ever opening your home. But you can eat together and have these great conversations. And then while you're eating, then you might hear something that gets you to the S. The first S in bless is serve. Serve. You hear something that's going on in their life, and now how can I be hospitable to them? Well, you've just heard they've got a need for X, Y, and Z. Okay, can you help with X or Y or Z or all of them? Well, I could do one. Okay, great. Serve them in that capacity. That's being hospitable. And then the second and last S is story or share your story. At some point when you got relationship, then you just say, okay, I want to be a blessing, then Can I just tell you about my personal story of faith? Can I share with you the story of how Jesus rescued me? Can I share some of the nuts and bolts of the gospel with you? And when you got that relationship, then gosh, that can be a huge, huge gift and a huge, huge blessing. And so in the meantime, he might have one person 
this week. He, he might have two. I don't know what your capacity is. But based on Jesus' model of 12 and really three, it's a good starting place. Could I encourage you to pray about and list eight to 12? Eight to 12 people that, that you should be developing a relationship with or have a relationship with or are in your community somehow, maybe it's not for no reason. And how can you minister the grace of God through hospitality to the eight to 12 that he brings to mind? And for my married friends, my family at home friends, your family should be included in the eight to 12. Okay? It should. You be hospitable to her. You be hospitable to him. You be hospitable to your kids. And then that means I've only got room for one more. Okay, great. If every single follower of Jesus was hospitable with the grace of God to one other human being on the planet that was not being ministered to, we've reached everybody in a matter of time. Let's be that church. And so gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for being hospitable to us and caring for us and all the ways that you pull us in, make us feel like we've got a home in you and we belong to you. Help us, strengthen us out of your strength, God, to open our heart and our homes to those people that you've strategically been placing in our lives. Give us discernment too and a sensitive ear to know who and when and how. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us. We are Restoration Church. And if this is your first time joining us, welcome. We're so glad that you were able to tune in. My name is Nate Huss, and I'm one of the team members here at Restoration. And uh, if you would like to learn more, please go to restorationaz.org. And as always, remember, Jesus is the only one who is trustworthy always, no matter the moment. So press on as we continue to practice the way of Jesus. 